Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Dear Prudence. 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 Do you think that I should contact him again? Help. Help. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you. Hi, everyone. This is Mallory Ortberg, and welcome to the third ever episode of the Dear Prudence podcast, which you are presumably listening to at this very moment and is either hidden secretly behind the Sleep Plus paywall or is being given to you for free by our benevolent overlords at Sleep. And either way, I hope that you're enjoying it and getting your money's worth. Um, and I'm also thinking very much today about like markers of emotional and spiritual fitness, like little little tests that kind of remind you in the middle of the day, oh, I'm not doing great today. Um, and, and mine is uh, what or whom I blame when I spill drinks in the car. Um, I, I have a lot of sympathy for people who are chronically late. I struggle with chronic lateness. It is never my intention to be late. I don't sit around twiddling my thumbs thinking I'm so excited to waste everyone's time today. I genuinely think this is going to take me six minutes to get from like my couch, not dressed, not ready. I don't know where any of my stuff is to physically at wherever I'm supposed to be because I'll just do it. Um, And that's something I have to fight all of the time. Um, And when I'm emotionally and spiritually fit when I am just sort of like present and in the moment and being responsible and 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 caring and thoughtful and thinking about other people throughout the course of my day. I can usually manage to leave my house and have everything that I need with me and have some sort of drink, usually tea. Um and and I'm ready to go and I'm not speeding over speed bumps and I'm just like I'm there. And sometimes I'm like, oh I'm already late. And I have to hurry and I'll do like the waitress carry that I perfected where you don't look at the beverage that you're carrying because as long as you keep your eyes forward, you're less likely to spill. 
Um, but inevitably, if you're the kind of person who brings their tea in the car with you, especially if you're not the kind of person who has travel mugs, and let's be honest, the kind of person who's chronically late is not the kind of person who has like specific travel mugs that they bring in advance. Um, and inevitably, I'll spill. I'll hit a speed bump. I'll take a right turn a little too fast, and the tea will slosh out either into the cup holder or, if I'm less fortunate, onto my clothes. And if I'm doing okay in life, if I'm kind of like keeping right sized and remembering that I'm just like part of a rich tapestry that is here now and will someday be gone, I'll think, oh man, you know, that's frustrating, but it's totally on me. Like I can't blame anyone else for this tea spilling. And um, if I'm not in that place, I'll think, I know how Dark Willow felt at the end of season six of Buffy when she tried to raise hell demons to, like, remove the skin of every living being on Earth and, and send it to actual hell. And I'll just think, this is the fault of everyone around me. I wish everyone was dead. I wish I was stepping over their dead bodies and, and just, like, walking over their corpses to my glorious throne. Um, which is a very strange response to have to, like, there's tea on my leg now. Willow's killing and people I love keep dying. You need help. The magic's too strong. There's no coming back. I'm not coming back. And on that note, let's talk about professionalism and workplace behavior. Uh, I'm talking with Allison Green today, and she runs the website Ask a Manager. Um, and she's been doing that for, for at least six years, I believe. Uh, I've been reading it on and off uh, while I've had jobs, while I've been unemployed, while I've been working several jobs, while I've been working from home, while I've been running my own business. Um, and it's always fascinating. And she has way more professional experience than I do. And she probably never spills tea on her legs. And if she does, she certainly doesn't want everyone else to die um, in order to feel better about herself. Allison, welcome to the show. Hi, Mallory. I spill things on myself all the time. It's it, it, You just want to have someone to blame so badly, but you can't. You know, I was thinking about this while you were doing your intro. I mess small things up in my life all the time. Like my life is a series of little catastrophes one after another. Mm -hmm. And I think I decided a long time ago that the only way I was going to have any quality of life was if I found it funny. So now I think I've gotten to a place where I genuinely find it amusing. And it's actually, I mean, I'm going to be spilling daily for the foreseeable future. Right. So better to find it funny than to, you know, Go into a homicidal rage. Yes. No, that's usually when I, when I can laugh it off, that's good. And the days when I'm like, my dignity has been compromised. That's going to be a bad day. <laughs> um, Allison, I wanted to tackle a bunch of questions together. Um, but I also wanted to talk a little bit about Ask a Manager. One of the first um, letters on Ask a Manager that I remember following avidly and getting really excited when there was a follow-up is something that I feel like uh, really exemplifies what I love about your advice column was the one where um, someone had an employee who came to them and said, you know, uh, I've been mismanaging my company credit card and I've amassed something like $20,000 of personal debt on it. Like they were, I think, trying to get themselves out of debt and were paying off like their rent or student loans with the company credit card and had just yes. dug themselves into this terrible, terrible hole, came to their manager in a panic and they wrote to you, the manager wrote to you, I believe, um, asking, like, how do I handle this? And I remember reading that and thinking, well, obviously, like, you're going to have to fire them and you'll never get the money back and it'll be this horrible mess. And you you sort of continue to follow up with them and it actually, they were able to not only pay it back, but but keep the employee on. 
Is that, am I remembering it correctly? Well, so it, almost. It was the guy himself, the one who had racked up all the debt, who wrote in. Oh, that's amazing. Um, and yeah, he had used it to buy a, he'd used his company credit card for all these personal expenses. He'd used it to buy a car and he'd paid off some of his girlfriend's expenses on it. And he'd oh, wow. gotten up to $20,000 in debt on this company card. And I mean, the weird thing is that normally you can't do that, even if you want to do it, which most people don't. There's normally no logistical way to do it because your company is paying attention to the billing statements and there, there just wouldn't be a way for them to not catch it. But in right, this case... Right, it was a case, sort of perfect storm of like somehow no one had been checking his statements yeah, from month to month for a long time. I think it was a small company and he'd been there a while and they just trusted him. And so he wrote to me and I mean, it's easy to say, I mean, it's easy to really take someone like that to task. I mean, obviously, there's no, there's no question here. He shouldn't have done that. He knew it was wrong. Sure. Um, but he, when he wrote to me, he was really upset and he was racked with guilt and he knew he was going to lose his job if he came clean But and he felt like he had to come clean but he didn't know what to do and he felt like he would just be in a bigger hole if he lost a job because how would he earn the money to pay it back and no one would hire him when they heard that he'd been fired for doing that and he was just emotionally a mess. I mean, as as one should be in that situation. Um, Yeah, then he wrote back with an update. One of the greatest things, one of my favorite things about doing the blog is getting updates when I find out, did people take the advice? Did they not? And then what happened? Um, He wrote back and he had taken the advice. He had talked to his manager and he had come clean and he was completely prepared to be fired. And miraculously, I mean, I don't know what to make of this. They didn't. And they were working. I mean, they're obviously very upset, but they were working with him on a plan to get it paid off. Yeah. No, I remember thinking that was so remarkable. Not because I think that's like a great policy that all managers should adopt if they find out their employees have been, um, you know, misappropriating funds. But um, it seemed to me just the sort of like wonderful example of what a really good advice column can do, right? Which is like you weren't minimizing what he had done, but you weren't there to scold him. You weren't there to say, you know, you really shouldn't have done that because that was already very clear. Um, And you sort of offered this wonderful like path out that was sort of like, well, this won't, you know, punish you in the way that a lot of people might want to see you punished. But this is maybe the most effective route because firing you probably would make it more difficult for your manager to get the money back. And here's a way for you to be really honest um, and really vulnerable and um, for kind of everyone to, like, minimize the fallout from this if if they're willing to do it. And then to see the follow-up was just amazing. Okay, so I want to get to some of our reader questions, and I actually wanted to start with a specific question because I know that you get to answer lots of queries about professional behavior and and how to handle, you know, difficult employees or difficult bosses, and I wanted to take something that's totally has nothing to do with the office um, that we could answer together. And this one is about uh, a parent whose gay son wants to go to a conservative religious college. Dear Prudence. My son has been openly gay for two years. He is now 16 and is starting to think about where he wants to go to college. His top pick is a conservative religious college that makes its students sign a statement of faith that includes a passage condemning homosexual behavior. The school is good academically, but not so great that I could understand why he would want to go there. Scholarship money isn't an issue. I can't figure out why he would want to go to a school that would condemn him if they knew he was gay. I asked him why he picked that school for his visit list, and he just shrugged and said it looked good to him. I don't understand this at all. I showed him some material that lists this school as among the top LGBT unfriendly schools, but it doesn't seem to matter to him, and he still wants to visit the school. What could he be thinking? What could he be thinking? What a great question. Um, Kids are baffling. 
kids are baffling. And I almost wonder if that's part of it. I mean, I'm thinking about myself at 16, and I like to think I wouldn't have acted so against my self-interest. But if my mom really cared about something, I might have taken a position against it just because I was very contrary. Teenagers teenagers are the most contrarian beings on the planet. Um, and weirdly, in some ways, I see myself in this letter. We're actually going to answer the rest of that question on the longer episode of the show, and you can hear that by joining Slate Plus. Just go to slate.com slash plus to sign up. It's five bucks a month or $50 a year, and that gets you all of Slate podcasts ad-free, plus tons of members-only features, including the chance to hear me talk about the ways in which this teenager was weirdly like me. Let's let's talk about letters that are possibly fake. Um, I, you and I get, I think, very different types of letters. I get a lot of letters about a lot of different topics. Every once in a while, I'll get a letter where I'll think, this seems made up. This seems like someone's fantasy. And those letters are usually pretty easy to spot. Like, it's pretty clear when someone's writing, like, Dear Prudence, I never thought that this would happen to me, but... And then describes this, like, very specific, usually sexual scenario that just reads like someone's fantasy. So with that caveat... I don't get a lot of these letters. I think I've gotten one recently, but I also want to acknowledge that life's a really rich tapestry, and sometimes things happen that are very, very hard to believe. Um, and I want to get your input on this, and I want to see if, Aval, you've ever gotten a question like this, uh, and if you think it is fake, and then I think we should still answer it, even if it is made up. I like that approach. Um, I have gotten a couple of letters over the years where I was pretty sure they were fake and didn't print them. And I have two where I didn't start to think they were fake until after I had printed them mm. and and started. I'm not sure why it didn't hit me until afterward, but but I, it's a weird thing that people out there are spending their time writing fake letters yeah, into I mean, advice you don't, columns. You don't go through the inbox assuming like, all right, a lot of people are trying to trick me today. Yeah, I would like you to find someone who actually does this as a hobby and have them on because I have lots of questions for them. Oh, my God, that's a really good idea. Okay, if you're listening and you have ever written a fake letter to an advice column, either to me, to ask a manager, to to anyone, um, please get in touch. Um, you can email us. You can call the Dear Prudence phone number. Um, you know, tweet at me. Just just get in touch if you've ever written a fake letter, particularly if your fake letter has ever gotten printed and answered, because um, we want to talk to you about what did you get out of it and where do you come up with your ideas? Yes. And I want to be clear. I don't mean to be a school marm about this. Like, I'm not condemning anyone for doing it. I think it's kind of funny, but I'm it's, still really curious about what drives it. It's certainly odd like i i am also curious yeah i don't think that it it it's certainly not a crime you should not be punished in any sort of i promise this is not a trap we're not trying to get you to like identify yourselves so that we can yell at you for for wasting our our time because you know we're here for entertainment but yeah i do want to know i want to know what drives you i'm super curious so all that said uh the letter that we are talking about today uh is called blackmailing boss um And I'm going to read it. Dear Prudence, I work as an administrator for a small nonprofit and my boss is evil. He makes me clean his house and act as a chauffeur and yells at me for hours over stupid things like 
losing a nail while setting up his new TV stand. My wife is sick of me complaining about my job and badgers me about when I'm going to quit. What she doesn't know is that I can't quit because my boss knows a secret about me. A couple of years ago, I had an affair with a coworker. It gets worse. And we decided to do something risky one evening and hold a quote-unquote date in our office. The office CCTV caught us engaged in some, well, unconventional behaviors, some of which included urination. My boss confronted me with the footage and has threatened to post it online. My affair partner was wearing a Spider-Man mask, so she stopped coming to work the next day, and we never heard from her again. My face is fully visible in the video, so there's no escape for me. I am dying to quit, but I will die if he releases the video, and my wife will divorce me for sure. Is there any escape from this? And that's the letter. So it's the Spider-Man mask that pushed me over the edge with this one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's, I don't have enough imagination mm-hmm. or I'm too much of a prude. But the thing is that if this happened, I don't know that you would need to include that detail. Mm-hmm. There's a few details in here that I don't think you would necessarily need to include in your advice letter. There's parts of the letter that are suspiciously lacking in detail and parts of the letter that are suspiciously overly detailed. And that, to me, usually suggests that fakery is possible. Agreed. Not certain, because I'm willing to believe that in the history of time, some office worker has, while having an affair with one of their coworkers, peed on or near one another uh, in a sexual context at work while being unwittingly filmed. And wearing a Spider-Man mask. And wearing a Spider-Man mask. I don't think it's happened a lot. I don't think it happens regularly. I don't think there's an epidemic of Spider-Man piss enthusiasts at our offices. But... Yeah, yeah. Life is a very rich tapestry, and people do really bonkers things. I will say that my worry, when I think I might have a fake letter, Mm -hmm. is that I feel terribly guilty about saying it if I'm wrong. Because then I think I've just signaled to this person that their problem is so weird and bizarre that that it's not even believable by someone who deals with other people's problems for a living. And then I feel awful. That would be terrible if there's someone out there who's like genuinely torn up about this. And here we are just saying, well, obviously no one's ever been this dumb. Right. He's just like, but I was. I was that dumb. Um, yeah. And I certainly would, would regret that more than the idea of some guy out there being like, yes, I got the Spider-Man piss letter in. Like, my life's goal has been achieved. Like, that's okay. I don't mind if that guy gets one off on me. Like, you win this one, pal. Like, congratulations. And I'm okay with that. And I actually think there's real value in even if it didn't happen, printing it and talking about it, because there may be elements of it that are similar for someone else, even if if not the entire thing. I mean, people, like, not infrequently have affairs at work. We, I, I think we both get plenty of letters that, that tell us that, you know, it's again, not everyone's doing it, but people do. Um, people have terrible bosses. Uh, people sometimes get blackmailed or, or, or you know, pressured into staying at a job they don't want to be at because their boss knows some personal detail about their lives. Um, and sometimes people get caught on, you know, CCTV having sex with someone they are not supposed to be having sex with. So while the details all put together do seem a, a little unlikely, um, sometimes people have similar problems. So let's, um, let's tackle it. Let's say 
this guy is uh, worried he's going to be trapped in a job he hates for the rest of his life um, or else his boss is going to ruin his marriage. What what would we advise him to do? Well, I think you've got to talk to a lawyer because what the if this is true, what the boss is doing is actually illegal. And your options aren't to just be an indentured servant at this job for the rest of your life or mm-hmm. have the video get out and your wife divorces you. I mean, a lawyer could explain to your boss that blackmailing you is illegal and and really as full of landmines as the whole situation sounds, you don't want to be navigating it on your own. You want professional help. And the good news is there is professional help available for this because it does get into legal stuff. Right. And, you know, a lawyer has presumably seen a lot of stuff that's worse than this. Like, I, yeah. I think part of the power of the blackmailer is this idea that what you did is so bad that if anyone ever found out, they would just reject you utterly and, and you would just be cast out of society. And there are lawyers out there who deal with something like this on a regular basis and would just say, yeah, we can we can handle this. Like, this is not insurmountable. You are not trapped. Absolutely. And the great thing about having a lawyer working for you is that now you have this like dedicated full-time advocate whose whole job is to take care of you and get the outcome that you want. And that's such a good feeling when you've been in a situation that is making you feel desperate and trapped. Yeah, especially if you're working at a small nonprofit where I imagine you feel desperate and trapped a lot of the time. <laughs> Agreed. So let's say worst case scenario, you get the lawyer, the lawyer's helpful. Um, you're able to quit your job, but your boss is just like spiteful enough that they don't really care if they get in legal trouble and they tell your wife anyway, or they post it online in some limited form, or they, you know, get in touch with enough people in your life that even though you were able to leave the job and get out from under this person's thumb, you know, your marriage has ended. And now a lot of people you know, know that at least at one point in your life, um, you know, you peed on a lady wearing a Spider-Man mask or a lady wearing a Spider-Man mask peed on you. So I'm not sure that this is good advice, but part of me thinks at that point you just own it. Yeah, okay. Because really, what are your options? You can live in shame forever, Mm -hmm. or you can come to terms with it. And maybe there's a side benefit of that, which is like, if this is a thing that you're into, by going public, you might get more opportunities to participate in it. Allison, that is one of the most charmingly optimistic answers (laughs) I have ever heard. (laughs) I'm practical. Yeah, no, you're very practical. And I think that's a good point, right? Like, if, if this is just hanging over your head and there's no way out and and even though you quit your job and you find a better job, your boss still, you know, gets in touch with your wife and says, guess what your partner did? Um, you know, people get divorced. It will be painful. Obviously, your partner will be, you know, at the least surprised, probably more along the lines of, you know, angry and 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 feeling betrayed. Um You'll apologize and try to make things right, and they'll probably stay mad, and you'll you'll live. Like, you will live. You will survive the end of your marriage. Um, you know, the, the sort of end of this is, I'm dying to quit, but I'll also die if he releases the video. And there's just, again, that power of the blackmailer of, I can't bear things the way that they are, but I also can't bear the consequences of what will happen if I'm exposed. Um, and to just sort of remember, especially if you can get something of a support network in place, even if it's just a good lawyer and a good therapist. Um, I, I also think this person should get a good therapist because whatever's about to happen is probably going to be at least mildly traumatic um, to just work through. Like the worst will happen when things come out and then things will slowly but surely get better. Like life will not be a series of Spider-Man piss revelations. You know, like once the cat's out of the bag, 
things start to get a little bit better. One hopes. Um, But yeah, I think, I mean, carrying around the feeling that you have a deep, dirty secret that all your energy has to go into keeping hidden. I mean, not that dirty. Urine is mostly sterile. (laughs) All right. Fair enough. But like that feeling of shame that there's Mm -hmm. this thing hanging over you and you have to keep people in your life from hearing about it forever, apparently. That's that's terrible. That's terrible quality of life. That's a miserable way to live. I might argue, I mean, I'm sure that there are exceptions to this that I would acknowledge if someone pointed them out. But in general, I think it's probably better to deal with the shame of it coming out and then being able to live without it hanging over you. Yeah, and, and I think I, I think another thing that this would probably need to happen a little bit further out, but you know, consider: um, Are you the type of person who tends to just grin and bear an unbearable situation until you are so stressed out and so frustrated, and you feel so trapped that you do something to blow your entire life up? Because to me, somebody who is married and has a job who you know goes to work and does those things on some level, is trying to blow up their life, right? Like, they're trying to ruin their professional life and they're trying to ruin their marriage. I I don't mean to say that this person, like, wanted all these things to happen to them, but, like, clearly some part of them was so just, like, worn down with their bad job and and whatever other pressures they were experiencing that they did something that exhibits, you know, pretty bad judgment um, and would have long-lasting and far-reaching consequences. So I think... Another thing this person should add to their list of things to do is, like, figure out some better stress management techniques um, so that in the future, if you think, I hate my job, I feel trapped in my marriage, I feel like I can't talk about this with anybody, you know, you're able to deal with those feelings healthily before you get to the point of, I'm just going to go do something really outrageous at work that would ruin my life if people found out. Like, you should you, you should have a pressure valve before that happens. I agree. Lawyer and therapist. Lawyer and therapist. And best of luck. And if you made this up, congratulations. Your answer's on the air. <laughs> Allison, I, I'm so glad that we got to talk today. Like, I cannot tell you how fun it has been. And I hope that we can get you back on the show again. Well, I would love to do that. Thank you. Awesome. So one of the aspects of modern life that is really interesting is everyone sort of thought as television has migrated in a lot of ways to the internet, like, we've transcended the commercial. No longer will anyone watch a commercial. Um, and I found that that's less true. Um, and, and what seems to happen more often is a lot of streaming services, if they do have commercials, will simply show you the same commercial every commercial break for the entire show that you're watching. And if, like many of us, you're watching multiple episodes of a show at once, you will see that commercial upwards of 20 times in, like, a single afternoon. And I'm thinking particularly right now of the new Panera Bread commercial, um, which is, like, I I did not think a commercial would trouble me more than the latest University of Phoenix one with that horrible remake of If I Only Had a Brain. And this one's definitely, like, gunning for a second. It's this narrator who sounds like sounds like someone told her like put a smile in your voice so she talks like this like her voice sounds wet and it's deeply troubling like no one sounds like that in their real life in a good clean salad every ingredient is the main ingredient panera has clean salads i'm so excited about the clean salads strawberry salad with chicken at panera food as it should be 
And I understand that they're just looking for like a popular buzzword and people talk about clean eating and other folks more more well-informed than myself have talked about why using the word clean to refer to eating is sort of ridiculous and has a lot more to do with, um, you know, bad received ideas about uh, what sort of food is good versus what sort of food is you know, bad um, than it does to do with the actual cleanliness of whatever food you're putting in your body. Um, but it also just really freaks me out that like a national chain is referring to their salads as clean. Like I've been to Panera, it's delicious, but like everything's just cheese and sugar. Um, and so the idea that like, come eat our candy salads, they'll clean your body from the inside out. It's just like, I don't want clean food sounds like it's been sterilized in a way that's really distressing to me. And um, something about seeing that commercial over and over again, um, I realize this is not a real problem. Like, I could just stop watching so much TV. Um, and I can also just eat elsewhere. Like, I, I don't wish any of you to pity me. Um, but it's a very weird choice to have made. Um, and it, there's something about the next time you see that commercial, listen to see if you can hear what I mean when I say someone told her to put a smile in her voice. It's it's the audible equivalent of smizing. And it freaks me out. It freaks me out bad. Um, and it makes me never want to eat a salad again. And it makes me want to eat dirt, frankly. Want us to answer your question? Call and leave a message at 401-371-DEAR. That's 401-371-3327. And you might hear your answer on an episode of the show. You don't have to use your real name or location. And at your request, we can even alter the sound of your voice. No one has yet asked for us to do that. So please start asking because I want to hear what we can make you sound like. If you like, you can also record your question using the Voice Memo app or its equivalent on your phone. Keep it short. 30 seconds, a minute tops. We don't need every single detail. Not that your life's not important, just that we've got a lot of questions to get to. So send me your questions at prudence at slate.com. Our producer is Casey Miner. Our theme music was composed by Robin Hilton. Steve Lichtai is the executive producer of Slate Podcasts and Andy Bowers is the chief content officer of Panoply. And remember, you can hear longer, extra special bonus episodes of Dear Prudence by joining Slate Plus. Go to slate.com slash plus to sign up. Okay, see you back here next week. Eat clean. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.